You can't get a job without work experience. You can't get work experience without a job. This age-old chicken-and-the-egg scenario stops talented writers, copywriters in particular, from getting started. But there is a way around it. In this podcast, I'll reveal the strategies and tactics I teach my students on how they can find their first copywriting client. I'm the host of the podcast, but I've also been a copywriter for over 30 years, and I've been training copywriters for 20 years. And what I've discovered is getting work is less about talent and more about how you manage the business of being a copywriter. There are techniques you can learn to fast track those skills so that you can spend more time writing and less time in business development. I've worked with the likes of McDonald's, Apple, Colgate, and others, but I can guarantee you this, you don't need to work for the big corporates to be paid well. In fact, small businesses sometimes pay as much, if not more, than the corporates. So do not feel compelled to reach for the top of the tree. And it's so much easier to start with small business because they need copy as much as anyone. I often get asked, do I need to get a marketing degree to be a copywriter. And while I'm sure it's a good thing and I've got one and it was great, it doesn't mean you are then trained to be a copywriter. So you may not want to waste three years in order to get started as a copywriter. I've been a lecturer in copywriting and marketing at places like Melbourne University, Victoria University, Swinburne University, RMIT University. And I can tell you that copywriting is generally an elective, not a core subject to most of them. So don't waste three years when you can do a course and you can get it covered in five weeks. Now, Karen recently completed our online How to Build a Freelance business course. And this is what she had to say. I now have the confidence to go out there and pitch myself as a copywriter. I know what to say. I know where to go. I know what to charge. And I know how to manage difficult clients. I could not have known this without doing the course. Thank you for giving me the confidence to get started. So if you're interested in learning more about how to land that first job or just connect with other like-minded copywriters, you can get your burning questions answered. You can attend Ask Me Anythings. You can get your copy critiqued. You can get masterclasses on pitching and pricing all through copyclub.com.au. Now, if you're already listening, please leave a podcast review. Uh, and if you loved it, you can let us know at the end of the show. So let's get started. Today, I'd like to talk to you about how to find your first copywriting client. And for a lot of people, that starting is really stressful because they don't have experience and therefore they can't get the work and they can't get the work because they haven't got the experience. And so the whole chicken and the egg situation kicks in and it starts to really play on your mind because you're wondering, well, how am I going to get this copywriting career off the ground? So the first thing I want to talk to you today about is the imposter syndrome. And it's a really common syndrome that a lot of people feel because if you haven't done something, it makes sense that you feel anxious about doing it. There's also a sense of feeling like a fraud. Um, you're putting yourself out there and, you know, you haven't really got the, the chops behind you to back it up. So the first thing I want to say is, well, you have to start somewhere. And uh, in copywriting, it's about the doing. And a lot of the fear of the imposter syndrome can be extinguished and eliminated simply by the doing of the work. And the beauty of copywriting is it's quite egalitarian in the sense that no one's telling you you have to study for it. You don't have to do a degree. You don't have to you know, have 10 years experience. You can actually just pick up the pen or the keyboard and start writing. And so I think there's a, a great deal of hope in that. 
because you could see a bad ad right now and think, I'm going to rewrite that. And you can. So that's not to dismiss the power of education. You know, I'm in the business of education. I really want people to understand that there are systems and structures and formulas that you can use to write copy more effectively. But um, you don't feel the need. I don't think you should feel the need to go and do a marketing degree. I often get asked that. I don't think you need to do that. I've done a marketing degree. I know what it's like. And I'm not saying I didn't value it and I didn't get a lot from it. I absolutely did. But it didn't teach me how to be a copywriter. It did teach me about marketing, which is fundamental to copywriting. So, yes, there's a, a leg up there, but it doesn't. It did not teach me copywriting at all. So in terms of the belief factor, I want you to own it. I want you to give yourself permission to be a writer. And, in fact, my first experience of giving myself permission was many years ago and I was actually working in advertising. So I do admit I had a, a little head start because I, don't, I was already in the industry. So I, I had seen copywriters up close, but I always thought I could never be one of those. They are the cool people. I'm in account service. Yeah, I'm a suit or a skirt. I'm the boring people working at the strategy and the budgets. And so it was when I was meeting with a friend for lunch, and his name was John, and he was uh, he had his own business and own advertising agency, like a really small one. But he did everything, and he's in there with a really nice life. He was out for lunch a lot, if I recall. And I was with him. <laughs> that was the good old days, you know, lunch every, every day. Uh, and so... I was talking to him about this because I said, John, I feel like a fraud. You know, I'm putting myself there out as a copywriter, but I really don't believe I'm one. And I know that kind of shows up when I talk about it. He said, well, who are you waiting to get permission from? He says, do you write essays or did you write essays? Have you written reports? Have you corrected copy? Have you written, um, you know, memos, contact reports, you know, anything to do with the writer? So, yeah, I've written all of that. And he says, well, you're a writer. He said, I now anoint you a writer. And he kind of gave me this, you know, signing of the cross kind of thing. <laughs> and it was really in that moment that I decided, okay, if anyone has to decide I'm a writer, well, it has to be me. And then I literally went down to North Sydney train station. I put $20 into the vending machine. I put in, typed in the little words, Bernard Eschwert, copywriter, my mobile phone. I was one of the first people to have mobile phones back then. That was chunky as, big as. And um, and I went on my way, and that was kind of like my credential. So, you know, from then I just said I'm a copywriter, and then I waited for people to actually pull me up on that, and no one ever did. And that made me think, well, no one's going to pull me up, and I may as well just keep doing it. And I got some work, and I just kept doing it. And I remember writing reams and reams of, of copy, and I, I didn't have any process or structure. And even though I was in advertising, and now I was working freelance, uh, I still didn't know how to write copy. It did not prepare me for being a copywriter. So in terms of the belief, only you can give yourself that permission to be a writer. So number two, what I want to talk about is in terms of your education, you know, it, it's a case of you could wing it. You could just keep going and reinventing the wheel every time you work with a client and hoping and praying that whatever you come up with is good enough and then waiting for the client to get back to you and feeling that fear and then when the client does have objections or resistance you maybe get defensive or you defend your position without really knowing how to defend your position and it just goes on and it's kind of a stressful exercise. It's not as fun and relaxing and as enjoyable as it should be because you don't have a process. So what I'd like to suggest is that if you're feeling that there's no anchor for you, that it's not 
there's nothing strong that connects you to a process, then it's worth getting trained, right? And uh, and that's where you can start to learn. There's, there's things like creative briefs, 21-point document that I've created that enables people to take that document and just sit with a client and ask those questions quite straightforward. You don't have to reinvent that wheel. You do not have to even come up with the questions. They're all there for you. And then you look at some of the structures that I've created, seven-step process. So it's it's what I'm trying to explain is that there is processes around the creative process. And if you can get them, practice them, and then eventually you may disperse with them or discard them, you know, because you don't necessarily need them. You've got your own process, but at least it gives you the bridge to get there. So the next thing I want to talk about is about starting small. You know, it's about getting that business card and it's about uh, looking at the people around you and telling them what you do and having the confidence to say it out loud and not retreat from it. And often you'll find that the work comes from people you know. And it might be people at the schoolyard. It might be people at the, the footy over. It might be people at barbecue. Um, it might be, uh, you know, work colleagues that you're currently, you know, working with. Or it might be existing company that you're working with. So copy is all around you. And when you realise that what we have is a solution to a big problem that business owners have, you'll start to feel more confident in talking about it. And the reality is that most businesses need copy. If they don't have it, they can't communicate what they do. They don't get the Google ranking. They don't get the traffic. They don't get the conversions. And suddenly the business starts to, you know, fade away. So in terms of copy, just know that it's needed. And I, I remember this man I was talking to uh, on a plane many years ago and he sold mattresses. And I remember thinking, wow, that's kind of a weird thing to sell because surely people don't turn their mattresses over that regularly. I mean, when I say turnover, I don't mean <laughs> literally turn it over. I mean, recycle, you know, get new mattresses on a frequent basis. They seem to be at least five or 10 years sort of life. That can't be a good business model. And he said, no, no, on the contrary. He said, look down there and you can see all these houses of people who live here. Every single one of those people in each one of those houses needs a mattress. So I, I suddenly saw it a little bit differently that he had a massive market. And even if he sold one mattress every five years or 10 years, he was doing very well. So copy, every, co every company needs copy. So you might even be wondering, well, what is copy, right? Let, let's just go right back to the basics. Uh, people do get um, copywriting and feature writing and content marketing a little bit blended. My, my belief is copywriting is just the, the persuasion through print of getting people to think a different way to take action or do something differently. It could be around stopping smoking, losing weight, um, washing their hands. Uh, it could be around wearing a seatbelt. So there's all those sort of social goods. Then of course, there's the hardcore copy in the sense of, you know, you're trying to get people to buy vitamins or a weight loss program, or it might be, you know, um, you know, uh, getting their hair replaced, you know, with the advanced hair care, yeah, yeah, kind of thing. So hard, really hard things to sell. And then, of course, in the middle is this massive world of content marketing whereby take a, you know, professional services. It's, it's kind of hard to sell accountancy or financial services, but 
if you give people education, you know, if you give them blogs and you give them videos and, um, you know, infographics and really good uh, white papers and things like that, it helps them understand what you do, who you are, what you value, what you um, bring to the table and how you're different. And suddenly people go, I like this person. I think what they've got is interesting. It's different to what I've seen. I'm going to maybe have a phone call. And from there, the whole, you know, marketing process begins. But we need content in the middle in order to reach those people. In the old days, I remember, and I was just mentioning those early advertising days, we had print, TV, radio, telemarketing, fax, and uh, and then you'd put something out there and then you get the sales team to follow up with a phone call and then maybe a sales rep and you'd hope that that completed the deal. And now, of course, there's all these mediums in between, so it's incredibly fragmented and very difficult to, uh, to reach people where they are at. So start small, you know, just get one job, one blog, um, one social media post, one web page, you know, just do something. And if you can't get that person to help you, uh, write your own, you know, write your own piece of content uh, based on an old ad or a bad ad that you saw, rip it out, rewrite it and do it again. So there's no real excuse, you know, to not have a portfolio because it's all around you. The next thing I want to talk about is um, look at how, look at the kind of copy you'd like to write. Because my advice is that you can write any kind of copy if you understand the process. And it might be that you've got a real interest in just blogs because you're not really into the hardcore selling. It might be that you really love email marketing. It might be that you're very good at Instagram. It might be that you're very good at, um, you know, video scripts. So just have a look at what you already like writing and then think about what you're passionate about. And the reason I say this is because when you can write what you know, you are in a much better position because you don't have to do a lot of research. You know, you don't have to step outside of your existing comfort zone because you already know what you're talking about. So you might love skiing. You might like um, yoga. You might like football. You might like cars. You might like um, guitars. You know, whatever passion you have, my recommendation is start with that. And then you think about, okay, well, who are the people in that world that I know? You know, let's just take skiing, for example. Let's just take snow skiing. You might go to the snow every year and you know that there's some restaurants there or there's ski hire or there's a bar or there's a, um, you know, some kind of tourist shop. And you know a lot about the snow. You know a lot about skis, for example, or, or snow skiing. And therefore, you can maybe help one of those ski operators create a flyer or it might be a web page or it might be some kind of sponsorship proposal because you know exactly how that industry works. Um, it's always best to work from what you know, you know, rather than think, oh, I want to be a financial writer or a healthcare writer and you've never actually had any contact with that. So once you understand the kind of writing you enjoy, you understand the um, topic that you feel, you know, you have some strength in, then it's just about identifying which one of those is most likely to pay. And I believe that every industry can pay but, you know, uh, for example, people talk about they want to work in travel and that's terrific. But try getting, you know, work at a travel agency uh, when the world is shut down from a, a travel perspective. You know, that's not really a necessary, necessarily a good idea. But if you were to um, and I'll give you an example, one of the students that I work with in my copy club, uh, she loves travel. And so what we did was we brainstormed it as to how she could narrow that down 
so that it actually worked for her. So rather than just this massive niche of travel, it can become something that's very doable and and, um, achievable. As it turns out, her daughter lives in Norway and she goes there frequently and she uh, loves the Northern Lights. It's just a real passion for her and she just loves, you know, being part of that world. And she knows that there's tour guides there in the Northern uh, Northern Lights who don't speak English very well, but they have most of their clientele come from English-speaking countries. So therefore, she thought, what would it be like if I was able to write the content for these tour guides? And so while she's visiting her daughter, she's obviously partaking in the Northern Lights and she's going on these treks, the, the opportunity to have a chat with one of those tour guides is really high and the opportunity to actually write the copy for those tour guides is, is higher as well. So for her, it was just identifying something she's really passionate about, having access to those people and potentially the ability to pay. So, you know, another colleague of mine in the, in the copy club is very much into aged care in the sense that her parents uh, were elderly. She looked after them for 20 years in her home and she saw all the carers come and go and she saw what worked and she saw what didn't. And she felt very strongly about if someone is going to look after their parents, she had some insights that she'd like to share with them as to how that could be done better, what to look for and what to, um, to take note of. So for her, the aged care sector is a sweet spot because she feels very passionate about that. She knows a lot about it. And uh, she, and we know it will pay, you know, in the sense of NDIS, aged care, nursing homes, you know, it's a massive sector. So it just comes down to what are you interested in? You know, what do you want to write about? And that's not to say you have to stick with that forever. It's not to say that you can't bridge, uh, bridge into other industries, but when you have nothing to start with, it really pays to start with what you know. And then you use that as a bridge to going to the next level. And so, for example, financial writers who say, I don't want to be in finance anymore. I hate it. That's why I want to get out of it. It's like, well, that's fine, but why not start in it so that you've got some money coming in, you've got some experience, you can put it in your portfolio and you can go from there. Now, speaking of your portfolio, uh, there's some really nice little hacks that you can do in order to make them look a little bit more attractive than just, you know, a, a bit of copy on a page. But there's a wonderful graphic design package, which I'm sure you've heard of, called Canva. It was more of the platform. And you could take copy that you've written just in a Word document. And then you go to Canva and you pick, let's say, a flyer format or a um, you know, brochure format. And you literally cut and paste your copy into that flyer. You download it, you PDF it, and suddenly it looks published. And the, the reality is you don't need to have your work published in order to put it in your portfolio. So that's a real misnomer I want to, or myth that I'd like to bust, that you do not need to be published in order to get your stuff um into a portfolio because what people want to see is an example of what you can do they don't need to see everything uh, you know they don't need to see 50 pieces they just need to see three or four um, and so when you do put your portfolio together just know that most clients and when I say this not the advertising agencies because they do look at things a little bit more carefully but small businesses they just want to have a quick snapshot like a blink moment from the Malcolm Gladwell book and say yep that looks about right I'm going to pick her or him now, they're not trying to catch you out and they're not comparing you to a bunch of other copywriters. They just want someone to help them. So when they see you, they meet you, they're, they're pretty much buying you as well. If, if you meet them in person or online at some kind of event, they're kind of buying you. And the backup is your portfolio. Mostly they don't even want to look at it. They wouldn't even know what to look for. They're just 
assuming that you've said you can do it so you can do it. But if you do have these pieces as backup, you'll feel a lot more confident about saying to them, look, go to my website or here's my PDF that I can share with you. So just know that you don't need to be published. And the other thing that comes up a lot is people have actually been working in marketing and uh, some kind of content creation potentially for many years, but don't call it copywriting and they don't call it um, content creation. They just think, oh, I'm just doing my job. And then I say to them, well, what were you actually doing? They said, well, I was writing the memo and I was writing the brochure and I was writing the flyer and I was writing the, the sponsorship proposal and I was writing some social media and doing a couple of videos. It's like, it's all content. It's all copy, right? So just know that you can um, take what you've done, even if it was 20 years ago, because some of my students say, but I, I haven't been doing that for years. I said, but you did it. You know, it's in you. It's made you who you are. And now you bring all those skills to where you are in your life right now. And that enables you to move into the next act of your life. And one thing I want to just talk about a small story. And this, this story was told to me many, many years ago in the advertising world, because it's about what we bring to a job and what our value is to a client. And the story goes, it was DHL, uh, the, the courier company, and they were launching in America for the first time. So it's, it's an old story. And the way DHL got their point of difference was that they had one hub, I think, in Atlanta, I think, and all the players would drop all the packages into Atlanta, and then they'd use this incredibly complex conveyor belt system to ship off various parcels to the right plane so that they can go to those destinations and get there overnight, because that was their, their mantra, overnight guaranteed. And so when they were launching, you know, they went full tilt with their advertising, it was overnight guaranteed, and on the night of launch, all these parcels were coming into the hub and the conveyor belt was working beautifully and it was doing all it needed to do. And all of a sudden, the conveyor belt stopped. And everyone was like, what's going on? This isn't meant to happen. This is the, the hub. This is the heart of the whole operation. If this doesn't work, nothing works. And so the, the uh, warehouse factory man called up the maintenance guy. The maintenance guy comes in and he looks at it and he goes over to the the fuse box and he opens it up and the maintenance guy says, mate, you've got to fix this because if this doesn't work, the whole company's kaput. This is their opening night. And if this doesn't work, the company's folding. So the maintenance man opens up the, the fuse box and he looks at it and he gets out his screwdriver and he puts the screwdriver into one of the, the screws and he turns it half an inch and the conveyor belt starts to work again. And then he shuts the, the fuse box, packs up his bag and he leaves and the maintenance man says, oh, thank you so much. I can't tell you how grateful we are. You've saved our, our jobs. You've saved the company. We, you know, we're, we're deeply you know, indebted to you. And the maintenance man says, no, it's no problem. I'll just send, send you my bill tomorrow. So he sends the bill and the maintenance man opens it and it's, well, the factory manager opens it and it's $10,000. And he cracks a fruity, he goes, $10,000. And he rings up the guy and says, how can you charge me $10,000? You're only here for 10 minutes. And the maintenance man says, well, it was $9,999. Um, sorry, it was $1 for the screwdriver, but $9,999 for knowing which screw to turn. Stuffed up that story, didn't I? <laughs> you get my drift. $1 for the screwdriver, $9,999, knowing which screw to turn. And that's the point I'm making is that the maintenance man had done this for 20 years and he knew just by looking at it what screw needed to be turned. And so it was all his years and decades of experience and mistakes and errors and learning that enabled him to be able to see what needed to be done. And it's the same with you. 
you know, you've been in some industry, you've had all that knowledge, that experience, those training, those mistakes, those errors that's led you to where you are today, that enables you to look at something and be able to do it potentially better than what the other client could be doing. And that's what people are paying for, not just the, the one page that you wrote that took you three hours, it's all those decades of experience that enable you to be who you are, so you can show up on the page and do what you need to do. So this is the world that we live in. You know, we're all about getting out there and just having a go and just knowing that everything we've done is useful. Nothing is wasted. Which brings me to my next point, you know, that copywriters often ask, well, I'm a jack of all trades. I'm a master of none. You know, I've jumped and bounced around from job to job and industry to industry and I never can find the thing that suits me. And I say, brilliant, come on in. Welcome to the world of copy because it is one of the few worlds that rewards and recognises um, experience and variety. And I'm not saying this in a bad way, but skimming across the top of a lot of different industries because there's a world of specialisation out there and the world does reward specialisation. You know, if you're really good at something and you've been doing it forever, like you're an architect, you're an engineer or you're a pilot or a violinist, you get paid well because that's all you've done. But for a lot of people who've tried lots of different things, they struggle to find the thing that really suits them, you know, that um, embodies them and enables them to fulfil their potential because they have so many interests and so many curiosities. And yet copywriting is that occupation, you know. So when people find it, they go, oh, my God, I can't believe that this is the occupation that rewards who I am and, and what I've been doing and what comes easy to me. Because often copywriters are good at different things. They're not going to be an expert at something, but they can turn their hand to a lot of different things. So just know that if you're one of those people, uh, copywriting will reward you handsomely because what it means is you can touch on an industry, ask these questions that I talked about in the briefing document, and you can get to the heart of it quickly because you've understood it because you've worked in lots of different industries and you know how different things work, but you can see the patterns. And that's another quality of copywriters. They can see the patterns in behaviours. They can see the patterns in the way businesses work. So where are we at? We've talked about the imposter syndrome. Uh, we've talked about uh, dealing with the imposter syndrome in terms of getting educated, um, writing, and you might even write for free for a while, you know, just to get some runs on the board. Um, we've talked about starting small, working in your local community. We've talked about, you know, at the schoolyard or at the footy oval, just talking to people about what you do, owning that belief that you can do it. Um, we've talked about the past and how that can influence your present and how you are so many factors that are a function of what you've already done and that you don't have to be published in order to become a, a copywriter. We've talked about niching, you know, what are you good at? What do you love? Where's the money? Who's going to pay for what you do? You know, these are all the things uh, that need to be considered. The last thing I want to talk about is um, about following up. And it's a small point, but it's a, a really big consideration because what can happen is you meet a client, right? And you've got your pitch, which is basically I'm a copywriter and I help yoga studios fill their classes every time or whatever that thing is that you do so basically it's I am a copywriter and I help dot 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 
insert, insert industry so that they can dot, 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 let's insert the benefit. Okay, so there's your little pitch. I'm a copywriter and I help dot, 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 insert industry so that they can dot, 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 insert the benefit, insert the problem that you solve for them. So that's your little pitch. And when you go out and do that, um, you, you're going to get a response. And people say, well, what's a copywriter? And you say, well, we write words that help, you know, people sell something. And you'll get into a discussion and hopefully you'll get their interest sufficiently that they'll want you to contact them and say, can you send me something? And that send me something sounds quite frivolous and light, but actually it's something really important that you need to do. So I'd recommend that you get a one-page flyer and it, or it could be two page, but just a one page file. Think of it like a magazine cover, like a PDF of some sort. And you, um, you know, you have a summary of, of what you do and who you are and the benefits of hiring a copywriter and how to get in touch with you and maybe some little examples of what you've done. So we won't get into that too much because that's, that's a different story. But I just want you to know that you've got to have something that you can send to people. Right, because when they say send me something, if you haven't got a website, which you probably don't at this point, and that's another topic, you need to have something. And this one page it can get you over that hump of actually not having a portfolio, not having a website. And all it's designed to do is just to communicate to them, you know, what is a copywriter, how you can help them, maybe some of your experiences in the past, your contact details, and even a photo, something like that. And then you send that to them, right? And then hopefully they'll get it back in touch with you. But what I just want to emphasize is that you've got to follow up. If they ask you to contact them, do get in touch because they didn't say it just for fun. They did it because they need you. And what can happen when you don't believe in what you do and you don't believe that you've got something of value and you've got the imposter syndrome flaring up and you think you're going to be caught out is you don't follow up. And that of course means you don't get the job. So if that's you and you know that you don't follow up for whatever reason or you give yourself lots of, lots of excuses as to why you don't follow up, like I used to do, for various things, I say, oh, I won't ring at 9 o'clock because I know that they're just starting work. I won't ring at 10 because they're probably having morning tea. I won't ring at 2 because they're probably starting a really important meeting. I won't ring at 5 because they're on their way home. No, no lie, that is what I used to say to myself about following up on various things. I always found a reason not to follow up. Ridiculous. But, you know, it is the secret. And I remember going to um, a, a big seminar and the speaker who was a very famous sort of entrepreneur, and um, I ended up meeting him later on. And he told me that at that particular event where we met, he had given his speech and it, it kind of went okay, but he said he didn't feel like he connected with the audience. And afterwards he was waiting around out the, the front of the, um, the venue and someone came up and said, you know, I thought it actually provided a little bit more insight than what you did based on what you've achieved. And he said, well, you know, what didn't you like? He said, well, all you told us to do was follow up. He said, if that's the best you can do, you know, I'm not, I think that's a very good, you know, sort of event. And the guy said, but that's it. That is the secret to success is following up. So I think we try and complicate business sometimes. We just know that it's just being nice, following up, doing what you say you're going to do on time, communicate. So just know that if you do get a lead, do follow up and just say they don't want you at that moment. Say, okay, can I contact you in three months' time to see if things have changed? Sure, good, diarise that and then ring in three months' time. And if they say, no, I don't think I need it, let it go. But if they do say ring me in three months' time, ring or contact them 
and then ask them again if they say no I said can I contact you another three months time yeah sure do that as well now after that you might say I'm getting the hint you know I'm not needed but at that point six months later if you still follow up that says to them you believe in what you do you care about what you do and that you want to really share what you've got with that person and that person sometimes can feel so guiltified can I be honest so guiltified that they actually start going ahead because I think I did tell them twice to ring back and now you know they're ringing back so sometimes you can get them on that level as well but just know that following up is the key it sounds so simple but like my friend said it is the key it is the only key because most people don't do it and also not following up is an absolute sign that you don't believe in what you do right and so it really can convey to a client how you value yourself so on that note I'll say goodbye and give you just uh, you know, a couple of tips, which is you can do this. You are probably better than you think. If you don't feel you can, get trained so that you do have some kind of structure and process. And just know that if you don't do this and you're not happy with what you're currently doing, what will you do? You know, what is plan B? So at least give it a go. All the best. One thing I do know is that copy is needed and will continue to be needed into the future. And that it's the people who can do the basics consistently who will win out. The work is out there. The question is, will you have the courage to go and get it? If you'd like to learn more about how you can become a successful copywriter and join a community of other copywriters, get upskilled, find work opportunities and more, take a look at copyclub.com.au. It's Australia's newest and most exciting copywriting community. If you're already listening to our podcast, please leave a review. We'd love to know what you think. Here's a recent one from Paul from Perth. He said, this is exactly what I need to get me started. I struggle with motivation, but after listening to this podcast, I feel compelled to start writing. Thank you for helping me find the passion to keep going. Well, thank you, Paul, for listening. As always, I'll leave you with a quote uh, on motivation so that you can take that and get started like Paul. And this one's from Walt Disney. The best way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. Never a truer word was spoken. And my joke of the day, did you hear about the restaurant on the moon? Great food, but no atmosphere. I'll leave you with that. Thank you. All the best and take care.